the scripture. Uh, first scripture for today. Well, first scripture today is the baby dedication scripture. Let's let's pull that pull that up and just look. Just just read it. Just remember. Okay. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob, my son's name, and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. Amen? That's what we're doing. We don't need a second one. If you would skip ahead to the first of the message. So the title, Don't Live Off Yesterday's Manna. Don't Live Off Yesterday's Manna. Let's, let's read it and find out why you don't do that. Uh, first, this is Exodus 16. And let's just talk about, okay, so you see the manna starting, and we're going to kind of jump down. To verse 14, it says, When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. They're in the desert of sin right now, appropriately. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they didn't know what it was. <laughs> That's, in fact, what manna is called. Like, what is it? Moses said to them, It's the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. And this is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person that you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it by the omer, one who had gathered much didn't have too much, and the one who gathered little didn't have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. That's awesome. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning but it was full of maggots, and it began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers, one for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said, I'm sorry, two omers for each person. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake, boil what you want to boil, save whatever's left, and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it didn't stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You're not going to find any of it on the ground today. Six days you're to gather it, but on the seventh day of the Sabbath, there won't be any. Of course, the next scripture says, nevertheless, some people went out and looked for it anyway. <laughs> Tried to find it. Is it going to be there? Listen, we've mentioned this before. Once, especially in today's world, once your day gets rolling, it is difficult to really lock down and find time where you can spend with God where you're not distracted. I used to think, I used to think, that um, the building itself had no holy power, that, that it was just a building. And I hear that all the time, and there's truth in that, kind of. So please hear me out. The church is always the people. The church is the people of God. That's the church. 
But we've designed this with a specific purpose in mind. There's no distractions. The idea is we are focused on God and nothing else. While we're worshiping Him, we're not focusing on other things. The purpose of this building is to remove distractions and just focus on what the Holy Spirit has to say to our hearts. That's what we're here for. And the beauty of being here and the power of being here is that when the body gathers together, of course there's that electricity that, that, that's exponentially growing as more come. You can just feel it. It's the Holy Spirit in his people, and it's building momentum as you feel people arriving. You can feel it. I mean, where two or more are gathered, there's Christ in the midst. But when you've got two or three hundred gathered in his name, you can feel the power of that. When there's two or three thousand, you can feel the power of that. But when you purposefully come together in a place where there's no distractions, there is a real availability in us to him. He's always available. But we aren't. We are often distracted. You know? Uh, just, I mean, all you got to do is open up Facebook two hours later. You're like, oh my gosh, I was on lunch break. Oops. You know, like it's, it's very simple to just get lost in the many distractions that we have all around us. And this building is built with the purpose to reduce those. Now, here's something else the man is available when it's available. You can't go out later in the day and get it because it's melting away. That doesn't mean you can't find the Lord on your lunch break. I mentioned this before. Don't feel like that. Don't feel like you can't find him at night. That's, it's different. We're under a different set of rules. But yet, the way that God set this up for them was get up early because if you don't, you won't eat. <laughs> you see, there was, a, there was a contingency there. Scripture later on says a man that won't work won't eat. Scripture right here, it was very clear. You won't work. <laughs> you won't get up in the morning and get some of this. You're not going to eat that day. That was your food. You're in a desert. There's nothing else. So get up and get the word. It made and created a hunger in them, literally. It should for us. You should want the word of God. You should want it in your life. You should want it on the front side of your day. You should hunger for it. You shouldn't wait for Sunday for someone to tell you else what it means. Don't wait on that. Let it gather momentum and steam in your life as you're moving towards Sunday, as you're moving towards your day on Monday, as you're moving towards your day on Wednesday. Open up the Word and find out what He has to say. Do it at night. Do it on your lunch break. Find Him. He wants our attention. He wants it. He loves it. He lives there. He's always available. But man, we're not. We are often purposefully unavailable. We're in, a, we're in a time where it's frustrating, actually. If you've got a cell phone, you are always reachable. Sonia, I Facebook messaged you. I called you. I know you had an alert. Don't tell me you didn't see that. You know, I mean, if you didn't see it then, you at least saw it later that day when you got home and looked at your phone. Don't tell me you didn't see. 
I mean, you are always available. It used to be in a different generation, mine, growing up, I would go somewhere and I wasn't available. And that was great. You cannot reach me. I am camping. I hate camping. Uh, uh, but I loved the unavailability of it. Uh, you know, I, I'm even mowing the lawn now. I'm playing music through my phone. It goes bleep. I'm like, come on. There's never a moment that I could just be out here. You know, I almost put it on and just drive over it. Because you're so available. But boy, if we could be that way with our God. If we could make ourselves purposefully get up with him, spend time with him, look for him. You have to fight for it. You have to work to enter the rest. You have to. Or you won't find him. He's there. That's not the issue. It's us. All right. So a couple of things about the manna. The manna's available when it's available in the morning. And there's going to come a time where it's not going to be available. When they hit the promised land, it's not going to keep dropping. They're going to get their food another way. So there's a timing to it. Everything in the kingdom has a timing. Everything. Moses goes before this burning bush, and this plot of land is all of a sudden holy. Just a little while ago, it was just dirt. But he steps on it where the, where the burning bush is, and all of a sudden God is saying, hey, hey, take your sandals off. This is holy ground. You're on holy ground. But, but just before that, it was just a bush, just dirt. It had no value. There's no holiness until God arrives and speaks holiness into the object. But there's more than that. The holiness also comes with your interaction with God as he speaks holiness into something, whether it be you, whether you're the object, or whether it's an object. Moses, what's that in your hand? Um, it's a staff. I walk around with it. Throw it on the ground. Pfft, holy snake. It was nothing. It was a dead stick till he walked up to God and God said, now it's a holy object. But he asks Moses to partner with him and the holiness comes from that. The holiness comes from God. God is holy. Everything he touches is holy. Everything he speaks is holy. His word is called the Holy Bible. It's holy. But what he's looking to do is have you pursue holiness. You get saved, and then you walk with God, and, and, and over and over you find in the Scriptures, it says, pursue holiness. Be holy as He's holy. If it's telling you to be holy, it means it's just not something that just is imparted and that's all there is. It means you will pursue it. You can be a natural athlete, but you'll never go anywhere until you start practicing. You can be a believer, but you don't go somewhere with that until you start partnering with God and listening to him and doing what he says. And there's holiness that comes from that. There's holiness that comes from it. There was no holiness to anything in the temple. No holiness to any of it until God spoke it into existence. You want to know why? Because it all was pagan gold from Egypt. Everything they built the temple with came out of Egypt, and they were worshiping other gods with it. 
And then God said, take that, 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 make it like this, now it's holy. Because you partnered with me, now you're holy. Walk in there, that whole event is holy. It's called the holy of holies. The holy place, the most holy place. But it was nothing but a bunch of pagan idolatry garbage until God spoke holiness onto it. Do you see? Holiness comes when God speaks holiness onto something, into something, into our church, into your life. Holiness comes from that. And the kingdom's about timing. Don't go driving out of here without looking both ways. Look both ways. It's about timing getting out onto that street. It's also about missing those two ginormous potholes that they haven't fixed for about three years. It's about that too. You know, your whole car could fall into one of them. But, you know, it, it's about timing. You're waiting for your moment. If you're at a light, wait for that to turn green. If it's at yellow, speed up. <laughs> or slow down. Do something. Don't just keep cruising along. I speed up. <laughs> I'm from you know, Florida. Too, more, too many years. So listen, it's about timing. If Moses came back to that plot of land, he doesn't have to take his sandals off. God's not there now. Joshua's outside of Jericho. Jesus meets him. It says it's the king I mean, the, 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 um, the uh, commander of God's armies that meets him. He's carrying a sword. Joshua bows before him. No angel, no self-respecting angel would never let you bow before them. This is Jesus. He even says to him, take your shoes off, Joshua, you're on holy ground. So again, a situation with the ground is holy because God is present and Joshua is present with God and God makes the whole scene holy. The ground he's standing on becomes holy. The thing he's doing becomes holy. Visited a year later, oh, here's the holy plot of ground that, that Jesus stepped on when, he, when it was like, you know, uh, before he actually kind of walked around and, we, and grew up as Jesus the baby all the way up through, the, there's a lot of times where Jesus just shows up. This would be one of them. Melchizedek would be one of them. You know, call it what you want to call it. Without genealogy, he brings bread and wine. He's a king of peace, king of Salem. What do you call that? So Jesus has always been. Jesus will always be. And when he steps on the scene, he's instantly bringing holiness with him, and he's wanting you to participate with him in the holiness. But we're called to be holy as he is holy. If, if you're not called to do that unless that requires some action on your part. You're not automatically that. You're, you're saved when you invite Jesus Christ into your life. There's no question. But there's a work to this thing, work to enter the rest. Do you just want to bumble around and not have any timing to your walk? There's timing. There's always timing in the kingdom. David has, a, has an army bearing down on him. And God says, wait till you hear marching in the treetops. 
because that means you've got an angel army up there above you, and that's going to that's gonna defeat your enemy. Wait till you hear marching in the treetops, then you make your attack. There's all these things in the Word where there's timing to it. Walk around Jericho seven times. On the seventh day, go seven times. Wait for the big blast, then go in. The whole thing will come down. There's timing. And then there's this, then there's this fear in us where we feel like, okay, I'm going to miss the timing. God, God spoke back then. I didn't move. Dang it. I've probably blown the whole thing. I've blown the, I might as well just cash it in now. I blew the whole thing. That's stupid. God is an unbelievable communicator. When he wants you to move, you will know that he wants you to move if you're pursuing him, if you're collecting manna. The danger is when we're not collecting manna and you're going hungry for a while in your spirit and you don't have any clue about the timing of the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do because you're not tapped in at all. God is amazing about coming yet again, speaking to you again and drawing you in and wooing you again. But there is timing to the kingdom. It's so important for us to understand it. You get the timing by getting in the word of God. Why did he have them collecting manna every morning and then have it melt away when they couldn't get it anymore until the next day and you went hungry that day? He's showing us an example. Everything there was for an example to show us that you and I need a daily dose of that word, a daily dose of the Holy Spirit. You must have it. If you don't, you start getting out of timing. If I don't, I start getting out of sorts. I don't love my wife the way I should. I don't love my children the way I should. I don't love people around me the way I should. I'm a different person. I'm corruptible. Very. The Word is what makes me holy. The pursuit of God is what makes me holy. Is what makes you holy. Can I see that next scripture? So in the very next chapter in Exodus, here's, here's, why it's, here's why it's so crucial to understand why we do what we do in the kingdom and when we do what we do in the kingdom because you can't just do the same thing every single time. There's a real powerful beauty to muscle memory and doing something over and over and over so that you learn it and you just do it without even thinking. That's super important. In the kingdom, you want to develop that. Keep getting in the word. Keep developing a habit. Keep getting up early and studying it and applying it to your life. Keep bending your will to what the word says. And when it disagrees, you're wrong. And if that's how you live your life, you'll find holiness. He's trying to strip off what's keeping us unholy. He's ripping it apart. C.S. Lewis, I'm going to butcher this quote because I can't remember it exactly, but he said, he said, you know, when God comes in, he lives in somebody. He doesn't just, he doesn't just come in and be like, you know, he'll do it. He, do, he does what you expect when you come into like a broken down house. He'll start fixing the plumbing, and, and then he'll start, you know, uh, painting, make it look nicer. Okay, this looks better. This looks better. You can see someone's got Christ. Things look a little bit better. They're start, start to, start, you can start to see it on the outside. Their choices are different. They're, they're looking. But then all of a sudden, he, he throws on some granite countertops. 
Oh, that's nice. Okay, everything's cool. That, that, that's, a, that's an awesome new addition. Then he kicks a wall down. Then he starts, then he starts rototilling the backyard because he wants to put in a garden. Then he starts blowing the roof off because he wants a second story. That stuff hurts. That doesn't come easy. That's expensive. But he's doing it to give you the... He, he's not going to live in this little cottage. He's going to live in a mansion. He's going to live in something that's right, something that's holy, something that's worthy of his presence. We aren't. So he's going to start making it like we are. And he starts blowing the thing apart where he's living there now and people can start seeing God is there. God's there. So back to this then. That it is crucial to understand that muscle memory is awesome and spiritual muscle memory is so important. Train yourself to pursue him. You should know where scriptures are like you know what channel your favorite show is on and what episode you are in, in needful, or I don't even know the name of that show. Something Hallmark. Know what channel that is so you can skip over it when you're flipping through the channels. It's Christmas in July still. Like, come on, I don't even want to see snow. We need muscle memory, but we cannot simply rely on it. God is a master communicator, and he will surprise you by doing things suddenly differently. And if you just think, I'm just going to do this the same way each time in the kingdom. I've already learned how to do this, so I'll just keep doing it. And that's my holiness. It isn't. Your holiness comes from listening. Your holiness comes from pursuing. Your holiness, your walk with him increases and strengthens as you go after him with hunger. So let's, let's, see why, let's see why that matters. So if, if, you, if you go to Exodus 17, very next chapter, something unreal happens. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin. Sounds spiritual. Traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. Timing. Go where he tells you to go. They camped at Rephidim, Rephidim, where there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, hey, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put, me, put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of, the, out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? And then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I going to do with these people? They're already ready to stone me. The Lord answered, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I'll stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel and he called that place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? It's an interesting question because the New Testament tells us that the rock that accompanied them through the desert was Christ. The, the rock that poured out living water enough for 2.5 million people and all their livestock, that was Christ. A never-ending source of living water. It was Christ, and it accompanied them, which means it moved with them. It wasn't just like it was just in this one spot. The rock that accompanied them was Christ. And he said, is the Lord among us or not? Yeah, Christ is. And he'll pour out water. How? Moses, take your staff, take that stick that we do all that cool stuff with, 
Hit the rock with it. Gushing water. Follow the instructions. Everyone lives. But then, go to Numbers 20, and something super weird happens. You know, muscle memory. They're in the desert. Oh, yeah, the people in the water. People need water. I know how to get it. But Numbers 20, something new happens. In the first month, I'll start the very first verse. In the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin, and they stayed at Kadesh, and there Miriam died and was buried. Now there was no water for the community again, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron, so he knows what to do, strike the rock. They quarreled with Moses and said, If we only had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord, why'd you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why'd you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? No grain, no figs, grapevines, pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. By the way, they were slaves. They didn't have any of this stuff. They didn't have all the stuff that they're saying. Oh, yeah, all this great stuff back in Egypt. We watched people eat it all the time. They didn't have it. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting, and they fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. They're getting their manners, what they're doing. The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron, gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels. This is one of the first few, <laughs> one of the few times you see him just lose his cool. You know, I mean, if I was Moses, I'd be beating people with that stick. <laughs> I just would have been beating people with that stick. If nothing else, I would walk in the living room and be like, Snake, deal with it. Just bite somebody, please. Or do that whole trick with the leprosy thing and just start touching people. That's what you all get. Yeah, you listen. Listen. But instead, listen, you rebels. <laughs> Must we bring you water out of this rock? He's already made a mistake. God told him to do it. So what's he arguing about? He let his flesh get right in the middle of this thing. See, we do that sometimes. We are told over and over and over in the Word to do things internally, not externally. Do this because I called you to do it. But you don't even know what they said to me. No, no, forgive. But that doesn't work. That doesn't change them. But he's looking to change you. And when people see the power of God moving in your life, it does change them. Holiness is unbelievable. It's not transferable. But it's unbelievable what it accomplishes. And so he's already blown it. Listen, you rebels. Must we bring you water out of this rock? God told him what to do. He knows what to do, but he's throwing some jabs. Then Moses raised his arm, and he struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you didn't trust me enough to honor me as holy in sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I give them. 
Like, it's, it's heavy. Is that because he yelled at them? No, that was the beginning. But the problem is once you allow that stuff, that garbage to start festering in you, once, once one of those in Ephesians that says fiery darts, when one catches and the fire starts going and you don't take the shield of faith to put it out, you don't start trusting God over the actual fire because God can put it out, you start trusting the fire and you want to fire back, then that starts leading you in a direction. Here's the direction it led him. He forgot the directions or he didn't care anymore. The directions were not hit the rock. That's muscle memory. Water, water, water. God says, not this time. Speak to it. Speak to the rock and water will come out. Speak to it. And that's when the living water will come out for everyone, as much as you need. And he goes up and hits it. You want to know why he hit it twice? Because it probably didn't work the first time. <laughs> oh. Wait, just, just a second. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Try to crack that thing open. There's water in there. I think he hit it twice because it didn't happen the first time. There's no water. That's never happened to him. There's no water. The water doesn't come out. Hit it again. Oh, there goes the water. Whew, okay, good. I, I, I guess it takes two hits now. No, it takes listening to God. There was such an important reason for him to do it the way God said to do it. If Scripture says, because it does, that the rock was Christ that accompanied them, then there was something God was doing with this. If you want the living water, the rock must be struck the first time. And it was. Jesus went to the cross, and he was killed there for you and me. So we could access the living water in the throne room of the living God. But then after that, after he's already been struck, now you just got to speak to the rock. Just speak. You don't, you, you don't have to strike him anymore. You only have to speak to him. Speak to the rock and the living water will flow. That's all you got to do. That was the point. He was, everything he did in that whole desert, everything he did with all the people was for a reason and with a point. So following those instructions were super crucial. To whom much is given, much is expected. Moses is leading 2.5 million people, so he's like, do it the way I say. Don't get caught up in this. They're going to do all kinds of stuff to you. Don't get caught up in it. Don't get caught up in it. I'm burning the slavery off of 2.5 million people. It's going to take a little bit of work. Work with me. The holiness is not transferable. You find me, and then other people will see it, and then they'll start finding me. You can't take a box of holiness and give it to somebody else. That's why a baby dedication is to say, we are trying to get that child, raise that child to follow Christ so that they pursue him on their own and they get the holiness that they need. It's not transferable. We all wish it was. To whom much is given, much is expected, and he didn't listen. Instead, he got angry. That took him off his game, and he forgot the instructions or didn't care anymore. He bails on them, and he strikes the rock, and he ignores the instructions, and God said, no, that was an important one. That was a real important one. It's not just about you guys drinking water. It was about my son, Jesus Christ, who had been traveling along with you.
This is a uh, awesome scripture in Matthew thirteen fifty two. So if you like to flip around with your Bible, flip around with your Bible. It's good to practice it. Some you'll have to kind of bend the binding a little bit, wobble it back and forth, make sure it doesn't <laughs> get used to using it. You know, thirteen fifty two, uh, or just look on the jumbotron. It says this. Jesus is, is he tells he tells tells them several things, several parables, and 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 uh, asks them if they understand. They're like, "Yep, they didn't." And they said to them, "Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures, as well as old. New treasures as well as old." This is the finish line of this message. You do not toss things that God spoke to you, gave you. You make altars of those things. God spoke to you. He connected with you. You had a holy moment. You, you want to believe that there was a scroll or a rock or something that Moses was taking notes on. He, he was a burning bush. And they did this thing with my staff and my hand. And then, and then all these plagues. And then we walked out of Egypt. He's taking notes. You, you make altars with God. You make altars and you remind yourself, he's faithful, he's faithful, he's faithful, he's faithful. He never forgets. He doesn't forget. He didn't forget Brittany and all of us were praying for her to be able, her and, and, and Jake, to have a child. He didn't forget. Matter of fact, we forget. She, she's, she's like, oh, wow, you know, I wish the kids would just calm down so I could hear this message about Hannah. God just whoosh, cuts through it all. I was like, do you remember the last time you listened to this message? He doesn't forget. He follows through. We forget. He doesn't. Sometimes he's answered prayers. I forgot I even prayed. Sometimes I forgot I prayed him. He answered him. And then he has to remind me that I even prayed him so I could be thankful because he answered it. But every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. That means don't just live in yesteryear and the thing that God did for you then. That is only to secure your future so that you keep getting new manna and new experiences and new holiness in your walk with God. The intent is for him to show how faithful he is and to keep moving in your life so that as you move forward with him, you're moving towards eternity. You're moving towards eternity, and you trust him that he's going to show up last, next time because he did last time. And what this whole thing was in the desert is one thing after another going wrong. God shows up, fixes it. Something else goes wrong. God shows up, fixes it. How many times have you worried about a bill you couldn't pay? And God just keeps showing up and doing stuff. He might not do it right when you hoped. But then he says, well, you spent money like I hoped you wouldn't. <laughs> You know, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. 
How many times have you, have you just been, been faced with a situation you were faced with before, but this time, this time's too much. This one's going to really stump him. And we stop trusting. It's to build your future holiness. It's to encourage you, keep following him. Don't give up. And next time you're faced with this crazy situation, know that God's got you. Because they're going to get, and we promise this, and we're not dumb. Well, actually, we're called sheep, so I guess we are kind of sheep or stupid. Like one sheep will jump, and then all the other ones think there's something there, but there wasn't, and they all jump too. And you're like, we're, we are dumb. But, but we know this, that you've only got so long to live. And if you live long enough, you start losing stuff. You, you'll, you, you, can, you can lose things. Your ability to jump, if you're a sports guy like me, your ability to move quickly, or think quickly. But then you, you can outlive your spouse. You can, if you're an animal lover, that's just a dirty trick. Because they just never live long enough, except for the one you hated. Is that one you keep letting the door out and it just won't go out in the street. You're just like, I... <laughs> but stuff, you lose it. You know why? Because you weren't meant to live here. It's not our home. Where we're going, you'll lose Nothing. And you'll never look over your shoulder and go, ah, I wish I was back there in that cesspool called Earth. Because <laughs> I wish I could go back. That place was so great. Everybody was sick. Always had struggles. You weren't meant to live here. God created you to be eternal. And he created you to live with him in a place where there's no alarm clock, there's no sadness, there's no tears except for ones with joy. There's only peace. There's hope. There's restoration. You will step into the confidence of the God that you serve. He is not afraid of the future because he already knows how it all goes. You'll step into the stress-free life of your Savior because he's not worried. You, he is making you like him because we were not meant to live and die here, and that was it. That was never it. It'll never be it. But we're being trained to be holy so we can gain access to this kingdom in a brand new way as we trust old things that he did, but don't live in the past. Trust old things that he did, but believe in him for new things. Trust old things, but if you only trust old things, when you wake up in the morning and you held on to yesterday's manna, it's got maggots in it. Because that's not where you go anymore to find him. If you go today to Jerusalem and you try to visit the temple or you try to see the most holy place, you're not finding God there. It's not even there anyway. You're not going to find him there. 
He's not there. He's in you. Christian, he's in you. He lives in you. And so you don't have to go looking for him somewhere. You find him right in your living room, and you can do it all by yourself. And you can do it with his word, and you can do it by prayer, and you can do it with fellowship. But look ahead to where he's going. Look to where he's going. Don't live in yesterday's manna. When someone tells you, hey, tell me some cool testimony of what God did in your life, and the only one you can think of is one that happened 20 years ago, that's an issue. That's a problem. Oh, God saved me out of this addictive lifestyle when I was 15. How old are you? 62. You got anything recent? Anything recent he's done? Well, that was pretty big, man. Don't, don't live in yesteryear. Yesterday's manna will start to... Co- it's a kingdom of timing. It's a, there's a reason it got maggots in it. Because you were trusting in something that already happened. How about we move forward in what God's going to do tomorrow? Worship team, if you're still here and I haven't scared you off, come back up. Listen, we have been given, we've been given an unbelievable privilege. This word, this eternal word that we have on, you can have on your cell phone for free. This salvation that we get for free, it costs you one thing your will. It costs you one thing, obedience and your will to trust that he is who he says he is.